Good morning, Connect. I'm Carmen. And I'm Ron. <laughs> and this is why we serve. We have a Wednesday night Bible study that we serve um, or lead together with Tony and Suzanne Haverkorn. And the reason that we're serving in that capacity is to foster relationships and to um, encourage and support growth in each walk um, for the people that are represented there. And I also serve in hospitality because who wouldn't want to serve in hospitality? Everybody loves donuts and fruit. And I also serve to make my mama happy. We also serve M&Ms. Oh, on Wednesday nights. On Wednesday nights. I love technology. Uh, God's given me a gift with technology. And I love using that to help the church in any, in any of the technology needs that are required. It really fills me up. And as far as how God has blessed us through this process of serving, um, you know, I think we ultimately started out to love on others, but um, the love that has been shown to us, uh, the prayers that have been said over our home and over our family each week yeah. um, have blessed us immensely. And uh, we're constantly encouraged to... Um, hear what God's doing in people's lives and to be challenged by it. And uh, I don't know. It's just been an unexpected blessing. Anything? What she said. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Still going. Hi, my name is Susie Fredrickson, and I serve on the prayer team ministry. I serve because we serve a big God, and I serve because the Bible says that wherever two or more are gathered, there I am among them. And I think it's so awesome that God comes to lean in and listen to our prayers. I think it's so amazing that he cares so deeply for us that he actually comes and dwells with us. I think it's so awesome that he wants us to live a life of abundance, a life filled with joy overflowing, that he cares about our situation, that he wants to come in and help direct our paths, that he wants to come in and heal our physical bodies. And I love that prayer gets to help change those situations, that we get to hear the testimonies of people getting healed, of lives being changed. For me, the prayer team has just been a faith builder, a faith increaser, because we get to hear the testimony of so-and-so got healed or uh, such and such situation got changed. It's just a faith builder. It's so amazing. Hi, my name is Jessica. I serve back in the hive and on our hospitality team with my son, Ephraim. I serve because I want to show my obedience to God when he says to love one another. It's easy to be able to show love when you're laughing and dancing and having fun with the kids in the back. It's even easier to show love when you're serving up some yum dilly coffee and donuts. We love coffee and donuts. Basically, we serve to show love, and God has blessed our obedience by putting a loving and loyal church family in our life. Um, we have people that will come and pray with us when we're having rough times, and people that will praise with us when we're having great times. Basically, we serve because we love the family that God has provided for us here at Connect. We love coffee, <laughs> donuts, and most importantly, God and our church family. Use that freedom to serve others because we're free to serve. So that brings us to today. Today is going to be lead like Jesus. If you have your Bibles with you, I want, to, I want you guys to turn to Mark chapter 10 with me. Mark chapter 10. Fire up those devices. If you have notes, that's awesome. If you didn't get notes on the way in, there's notes in the back. So if you would like a, a set of notes, please go and get those. Also, uh, you can 
follow the notes along in our app. We have a way for you to do that, and then you can email whatever notes you take back to yourself. We're going to see today, we're going to see, we're going to contrast two different types of leadership styles as we go through Mark chapter 10. I'm going to start in verse 32. Some of the verses will be up on the screen as well. Mark 10, 32. They were now on the way up to Jerusalem. I'm going to stop right there just for a second. Because there's a couple key things we need to understand before we get into this. It says they. Well, who is they? Well, they is Jesus and the disciples. And then there was a multitude of other people that were with them. Jesus, for the last couple weeks leading up to this point, had just uh, been doing some miraculous things. There was healings. There was some dynamic teaching. There was also a little bit of conflict with the religious leaders at the time because they were trying to push back. They saw that Jesus was gaining all this support and that they weren't happy with. And so they started to push back, and he had some uh, uh, conflict, some uh, intersections with the religious leaders. But now they were traveling south. They were traveling south to Jerusalem. But it says they were on the way up to Jerusalem because when they got there, they had to go up the hillside to get to where Jerusalem was. And we'll pick it up. So they're on their way up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. The disciples were filled with awe, and the people following behind were overwhelmed with fear. Have you ever read that before? The disciples were filled with awe, but the people overwhelmed with fear. So when I see that, the question obviously is why? Why do you think there was those two different emotions or, or things going on at the same time? Boy, they're like 180 from each other, aren't they? That's really different. Awe and fear, super different. The disciples were filled with awe and the people were overwhelmed with fear. Well, I think one of the reasons was is because Jesus had come into direct conflict with the Pharisees and the Sadducees over his remarks of the temple. If you remember, or maybe you don't, he talked about the, the, temp, the temple being destroyed and then being rebuilt. Well, he wasn't talking about the physical temple, although that would happen. But what he was talking about was the fact that he was going to be raised from the dead. And so he was talking metaphorically to everybody, but the religious leaders were getting freaked out. And some of the people that were following him were too. They're like, wow, what are you talking about? The disciples were pretty excited because... They knew that Jesus was sent from God, that he was the Messiah. And they were kind of excited to figure out what was going to happen here. They were hoping that the tide was going to turn for them. Everybody knew, though, that Jesus' life was in danger because of the things that he was teaching and saying. And realistically, Jesus was walking confidently and boldly toward his death. They had seen the crucifixions, the people there. The Romans used crucifixion to make a statement, and they left the bodies hang as people were coming in and out and moving around. And so it was a measure of intimidation that the Romans used crucifixion as. And so people knew what happened to criminals, and people knew what happened when people were crucified. So yeah, they were in awe. And there was also a measure of fear. Let's continue on. So taking the 12 disciples aside, 
Jesus once more began to describe everything that was about to happen. Once more. So he had taught on this before. And so he's teaching on this once more about what he's ready to tell them. He's, he's reminding them once again. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed. And he refers to himself as the Son of Man. To the leading priests and teachers of the religious law, they will sentence him to die, hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and whip him. They will kill him. But after three days, he will rise again. Once again, he's predicting his resurrection. So basically what Jesus was saying is, you need to know what you're getting into. I'm going to tell you this for the last time. This is what's going to happen. If you know the story, that's exactly what happened. Jesus went to Jerusalem. He was betrayed. They sentenced him to die. They mocked him, spit on him, flogged him, crucified him, and then he rose again. And next Sunday, we're going to celebrate Jesus' resurrection. Amen. Amen. I got one amen. We should all be saying amen. Next week, we're going to celebrate Jesus' resurrection. All right. Yeah. But today, what I want to do is I want to put ourselves into the shoes of the disciples. What would you be thinking if you were one of them? Jesus just got done telling you, and, he, and you're like, wow, you know, he said this a couple times. This is really serious stuff. So now he's telling me this again. Well, I'm sure for many of us, I know I would be thinking this is, what's going to happen to me? Is this going to be guilt by association? What, what, what's going to happen here? I'm not sure what you would be thinking, but I know that's what I would be thinking. What is going to happen here? This is going to get cray-cray in a minute. So let's see what a couple of disciples said. Let's see what they were thinking. Mark 10, 35. Then James and John, oh no, (laughs) oh boy. The sons of Zebedee, here we go. They came over and spoke to Jesus and they said, teacher, uh, we want you to do us a favor. And Jesus is like, awkward timing, but what is your request, he said? And they replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and one on your left. Does anybody here think that's a little crazy? Does anybody here think that's a little weird, a little coming out of left field? Yeah. I think it is. I want to take a look at these two guys just for a minute before we move on. Okay, so this is James and John. Their friends called them Sons of Thunder because they were always going off like some kind of a lightning storm. You know, Peter gets a bad rap for being like, you know, going off, always going off and getting angry and stuff. And, and he did. Well, he did a lot of great things too. But James and John... Man, the sons of, you don't get that by just being a regular dude, right? A couple of brothers, sons of thunder, that means something. And, and, and I think what it meant is they were ready, fire, aim. Uh, wait, wait a minute, hold on. 
Did you catch that? Ready, fire, aim. You're supposed to get ready. You're supposed to aim, and then you're supposed to fire. But not these guys. These guys were ready, fire, aim kind of guys. Think about it. They fast-forwarded through all the stuff that Jesus had just said, and they went all the way to Jesus sitting on his glorious throne. And Jesus didn't even mention that at this time, but he had talked about that before. And so they just bypassed everything that Jesus was just talking about. They missed the betrayal. They missed the death sentence and the mocking and the crucifixion. And they even missed the resurrection. They skipped over all of that to ask a very self-serving question. Can we have the best seats in the house when you're on your throne? Can we have the best seats? What, what do you think? You know, I mean, we've kind of been hanging. I mean, we're, we're kind of two of the three insiders here anyways, Jesus. So, you know, why don't you give us the best seats? They weren't concerned about Jesus in this moment. And I, I don't want to paint a broad stroke, but we're, we're focusing on this moment. So they weren't concerned about Jesus in this moment. They weren't concerned about the mission. They weren't concerned about the salvation of the world. They were concerned about a four-letter word, self. S-E-L-F. They were concerned with self. So today, I want to contrast between the leading styles of James and John and Jesus because Jesus is going to show them a couple things here in a moment. But I want to talk about James and John just for a, mi- a minute. Leading like James and John, self-serving. We'll call it self-serving. And I have three words that go along with this leadership style. The first word that I have, it's going to be in your notes, is clueless. They were clueless. They were spiritually unaware of what was going on. They were spiritually blind. They had a spiritual blindness going on in this moment. But the question I have for us is it's easy to use hindsight as 2020. But what I want to bring forward is I wonder if we can relate to James and John a little bit. When have you or when have I been clueless have you ever found yourself in a situation where you, you really needed to hear God's voice, but, but you realized that you'd been so preoccupied with yourself and that you really hadn't been listening to him at all? A lot of times it, it happens to us when we're struggling with maybe identity. Maybe we're struggling with identity a little bit and we're asking the question, who am I? And we turn all of our attention onto ourselves and we really become spiritually clueless in that moment. I really think this is what James and John were experiencing right here. They were a little bit clueless as to what was going on. That's what the leadership of James and John looks like in this moment of time. So let's continue reading. Let's see, see what else we got here. Mark 10, picking up in verse 38, it says, But Jesus said to them, You don't know what you are asking. 
Are you able to drink the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering that I must be baptized with? Oh yeah, they replied. Sure, we're able. Serving yourself produces cluelessness, but it also produces a Yiddish word, chutzpah. What does chutzpah mean, Bob? Well, I looked it up for you. It means the audacity. It means the cockiness. It means a wild overconfidence. Here's an example. The quality in a man who, having killed his mother and father, throws himself at the mercy of the court because now he's an orphan. The audacity the wildness of that thought process is really what is going on here with these two guys. Think about the people maybe in your life that you've worked with. Have you ever maybe had a leader or a coworker launch something with such ridiculous overconfidence that, man, you knew everyone around them was just kind of rolling their eyes and you knew that this idea was just destined for failure? You know, it it really comes down to ourselves, too. It's when we think so highly of ourselves and then we take a big face plant. Ever face planted skiing or tripped over the sidewalk? Okay, now that's a funny thing. Have you ever seen videos of people tripping? I mean, hopefully they're okay, but people falling and face planting is hilarious. (laughs) It is. I've done it myself, man, especially on a ski slope. If you've ever been skiing at Showdown, you know, I can do some, you know, intermediate to advanced blue runs. I can't do the black diamonds, but I can do the blue. So I start off green, you know, get, get working up some confidence. And then I, I go on second thought. And I normally, about halfway down, have a second thought after I face planted two or three times. That's what we're talking about here. That's the idea that comes up when we see these guys say, oh, yeah, we're able to handle this cup of suffering that you must do? I don't think so. Let's continue on. Let's, let's see one more thing. In Mark 10, 39, once again, it says, Then Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptize, baptism of suffering, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left because God has prepared those places for the ones that he has chosen. He probably could have rebuked them a little harsher, but Jesus always, man, was perfect in his tactfulness. He wanted to teach them something first, always a teaching moment with Jesus and the ridiculousness of the disciples sometimes. And once again, we see James and John being a little ridiculous, but he used it for a teaching moment. And it probably felt like a little bit of a rebuke to them. But it wasn't quite too harsh. And then look what happened. After that, we we go to Mark. And remember, James and John kind of went over to Jesus, but do you think the other disciples were in earshot? Yeah, I think maybe they were. And so here we read, when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. Indignant. They were ticked and frustrated 
because of the power play that they were trying to make, James and John. That's what indignant means. So when we serve ourselves, it produces conflict. That's the third word. It produces conflict when we serve ourselves. Have you ever been there? Can you think of some times in your life where selfishness has thrown all of your relationships into disarray? I can. I I can think of a few times in my life when that has happened. Maybe a marriage relationship. That's an easy one to talk about. Spouses. Well, if you're not married, just family relationships come come to mind. The family dynamic. Selfishness can really throw those relationships into disarray or maybe even at work. You know, you, you always got that one guy or gal that always wants to have the boss's ear, right? And they're always trying to get an edge up. I don't know, you know, we, we, we had the party for Ricky yesterday or, or Christy did and, and we came in and it was an office theme party and so I don't watch a lot of Office, but when I was reading this today, I was thinking of Dwight. Would, would, that, would that be a good thing? Would Dwight be something that would, is kind of being, always having the boss's ear and, and trying to always be the guy that was, was above everybody else? So think about this, though. Think about these 12 disciples. You know, they were a ragtag bunch of guys in the beginning, but Jesus was teaching and walking with these guys for about three years, Right? And now we see it's kind of a dream team. He's molded and he's shaped a dream team here. And then we get two of these guys going off half cocked. It must have felt in that moment like things were just falling apart. So let's read what leading like Jesus is all about. That's where I want to go next. So we saw what James and John do, but let's, let's see what Jesus does. Leading like Jesus is self-sacrificing, not self-serving. Jesus knows what's going, going on, and, and right after that, he calls them all together. And once again, he uses this conflict as a teaching moment. Mark 10, 42 says this, So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it all over the people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Instead of serving self, when we are self-sacrificing, Jesus just called it. He said, different. That's the first word that comes to mind when I think about leading in the Jesus style. Different. And he said that. He said, it will be different among you. Well, well, how? How is it going to be different? We don't need to lead like other leaders. We don't need to flaunt our authority or demand obedience or demand respect. We, as Christians, we are different. That's the bottom line. And then he goes on to explain that a little bit more. He says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else, or must be in service, or must be a servant of everyone else. Self-sacrificing produces serving. That's your second word. Self-sacrificing produces serving. 
And by serving, you will find yourself leading. It's, it's backwards. It's the upside-down gospel of Jesus. It's, it doesn't make sense according to the world, but it makes total sense for us that are following after him. Lots of people get it backwards. They want to lead, and they want everyone else to serve them. Instead of, like, washing the disciples' feet, these type of leaders want everybody else to wash theirs. It's backwards in people's mind. Now, I know that there's probably a lot here that says, well, you know what, I, I don't want to lead. And that's, that's a fair thought. That's fine. But Jesus calls every one of us to serve. Jesus calls every one of us to serve. And through your serving, you're going to be different. Through your serving, you're going to find people that follow you. You might not have the title of leader, but that doesn't matter. As a Christian, as following Jesus' example and putting it to work in our lives, people are going to follow you. There's going to be somebody that follows you. That's just the way it's going to work. So you don't want the title? That's okay. We don't need the title. All we need to do is just be a servant. Be the example that Jesus calls us to be. Let's move on. I got one more part of Mark here to talk about. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man, this is Jesus again, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus calls us to follow his example once again. And and the word I'm going to leave us with for Jesus' style is ransoming. The price that was paid was Jesus' life. He calls us to pay a price too. You hear stories all around the world how Christians are being martyred, and and so it might happen. You might be called to give your life. Chances are you won't, but you might be. So what does that price to be paid look like in our lives? I don't know, maybe you've lost some family members because you've become a Christian, or maybe you've lost some friends. Maybe, maybe on the job you've had to make some tough decisions and you lost an advancement. I, I don't know, I, I don't know. The price for each one of us is different, but we will pay a ransom to be Christ followers. That's just the way it's going to go. I want to talk about the very next part of the story, though, here, out of Mark 11. If you turn to Mark 11 with me, it starts with Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Now, for those of us that maybe have been around Christianity, we know that next week is Easter, so today is Palm Sunday. And there's the Christian church all around the world celebrates Palm Sunday. We don't necessarily celebrate it specifically here at Connect. We, we know that it exists. And this is actually the first day of what many Christians around the world call Holy Week. And it's, today is the day we celebrate when Jesus came into Jerusalem and there was a multitude of people shouting Hosanna shouting Hosanna, 
and they were welcoming and joyful about the king coming to Jerusalem. That's what they were shouting for because the king was coming. But I want to make mention here that Jesus' example is extremely important here. His example is extremely important because a lot of times when kings and military rulers rode into cities, they rode in on war horses, large stallions to show power and their authority. But Jesus rode in on a donkey. That's significant. You know, even a rabbi or, or, or a leader, if they chose to ride in on a horse for a special event or something like that, they would be riding a horse, especially into a capital city like Jerusalem, where so many people would see them. So, you know, I mean, they were, hey, you know, you're a religious leader, you're somebody important. So they would ride in on a, a nice horse as well. But Jesus chose a donkey, and he chose the donkey because it was an example of humility. Jesus came as a humble servant, even at the end, even at the beginning of Holy Week. Palm Sunday, whatever you want to call it. He came into Jerusalem on a donkey. So the question I have for each one of us is, it's a question we've been asking each week. How can I follow Jesus' example? How can I follow Jesus' example? We've learned that the example that he said is to be different. The example that he said is to be a serving, to be servant. And, and he also set the example of of paying a ransom. So, what kind of horse are you riding today? I would challenge each one of us, let's replace that horse or that mode of transportation with a donkey. Let's, Let's be humble. Let's be humble servants today. And it brings us back to our theme verse that's been our theme verse for the series, and it's out of John 13, 15. It says this, I have given you an example to follow. Jesus is saying that. I've given you an example to follow. This is a quote. Do as I have done to you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the example that you've shown us in Jesus. an example of a servant, somebody who is not seeking the limelight for themselves. Lord, you've taught us over the last month how to to serve like Jesus and and how to love like Jesus, which flows out of a heart of serving and that we're free in Jesus. And today you're showing us how to lead like Jesus, just to follow after his example and to do what he's what he's calling each one of us to do in our lives. And so in this moment of reflection, I would just pray that you would speak to each one of our hearts. Show us. Show us an area of our lives that maybe we've been riding a war horse and we need to, we need to be riding a donkey instead. We need to be having humility in our lives and, and being a servant. Lord, I thank you so much. I know that James and John had a lot of great things. They, they, did, they did a lot of great things. But in this moment, boy, did they miss the mark. 
And, and I'm glad that we can look at these examples and, and see that, you know what, we've missed the mark in our lives as well, but Jesus didn't just cast them aside. He took the time to teach them in that moment, and you do the same to us. You, you teach us in that moment, and, and we just need to respond and, and say, yes, Lord, I understand that I've blown it. I understand what you're saying, and help me now to, to change my attitude, to change the situation, to, to change the circumstances with your help and with your power in my life. And I just say thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Help us to change. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, We've been talking about volunteering last week, and we talked about volunteering again today. There were some booklets that I wasn't able to print out last week for those of you that were with us. So there was, hopefully you received one on the way in. If not, Jean has a bunch back at, uh, at her table back there. So grab a booklet. It just talks about the different ministries that we have here and the different leaders that we have in charge and the different needs. And we do have some tables set up in the back once again. If maybe you were here with us last week and you had to scoot out real quick, but you were thinking, you know what, I need to sign up next week. Well, there's a sign up available for you over there. Uh, we do have a couple videos uh, to show just a couple more talking about serving uh, some folks from Great Falls and then also some folks from Bozeman. So let's go ahead and uh, hit the lights and, and show those couple videos and then I'll, I'll end our time together. Hi, Connect Church. My name is Melina Schleep and I serve in the nursery. When I think of the question, why do I serve? I actually think about the reason my husband and I started coming to Connect. We uh, were going to a different church before we got married. And before my husband and I uh, got married, he said, I want to serve in church together. And we got married and started looking for a way we could both serve in the same place. After that summer, we had a friend who was helping with the launch over here at Connect. And he asked us, he was like, do you know anybody who can run the video slide program that we use? And my husband was like, I bet I can figure it out. We'll come help you with your launch. And then when you find somebody, they can take it over. And... We ended up figuring it out really well and staying, so which worked out great because we love it here, and um, it just felt like a good fit, and we were happy here, and we enjoyed the people, and we just felt uh, a sense of completeness, and like, this is what we're supposed to be doing. It's often come up in our conversations with each other how church isn't about being comfortable or being with friends or being able to get something out of it, but really being able to put into it and um, serve in a way that you're feeding into the body of Christ. So we felt like we were doing that here. And so so serving does make a difference. It's powerful, it's needed, and it's um, what the body of Christ needs to function well. And that's why I serve. Hi, my name is Charlene. And I serve on a new fledgling mission group, and it's corresponding with our missionaries and praying for them, finding out what their needs are. And I'm so excited about this group, and I've already been blessed by it just by writing to them and by praying for them. And my missionaries are Jay and Cheryl Taylor in Africa, and they've been here. And I have met them personally, and it's so wonderful since I've already been to Africa 
to actually pray for someone in Africa that we support as missionaries. So I'm really excited about this. We, it's a new group. We still have openings for signups to correspond with the missionaries, find out what they need, and wait to hear back from them. And so I'm really excited. Um, God has blessed me already, so thank you. Hi, my name is Sarah Zocker, and I serve in kids' ministries, among other ministries. And I serve at Connect because it's a great way to get to know other people and develop deep friendships. And it helps me feel connected with um, the ministry that I'm serving with. It also is a good way for me to work behind the scenes and help support people in succeeding the things they like to do. And it's um, always been a blessing to me to serve as a volunteer in churches and especially in Connect. All right, so those are the videos. You know, the theme that went through all those videos was, was what? I, I felt connected. So uh, I don't know, maybe you've been coming here to Connect for a while and maybe you feel a little disconnected. Well, one way to feel connected at Connect is to volunteer and to serve. And I'm sure for all the volunteers that we have, uh, you know, if I was to videotape you, that would be the one thing that you would, that you would say is that, you know what, I, I feel more connected because I'm serving. I'm getting to know folks on the team and it's really, and it ends up being a lot of fun. And so, like I said, we have a plenty of different places for you to uh, plug into. Check out the catalog, sign up, I really love what Melina said. Uh, there's a couple things that she, I, maybe she needs to teach one Sunday. I don't know. That was just rich with truth. A couple things that she said, but, you know, she said that, you know, I come to church to serve. I come to church. You know, the benefit is really you're going to get something out of the worship time and the teaching time, so you're going to get fed to a measure. But then being able to serve just kind of transforms that whole thing, and I, I really love that, that thought process. We're going to talk about next steps. I'm not going to go over them, but there's next steps in your notes and on your connection card. And so take a look before you leave today and, and take a look at those next steps that are in your notes and, and determine, challenge yourself out of today's message to put something to action.